welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. On today's episode, I'm chatting with Kat Harris. Kat is the co-founder of The Refined Woman and the host of The Refined Collective podcast. If you haven't heard of Kat already, you should definitely go check out her stuff. Kat and I have a few mutual friends, which is super fun, but this is our first hangout. And as you'll see, we became good friends. Today we're going to talk about beauty and how to navigate the way we see ourselves in today's culture. I know you guys are going to love it. Hey Kat, how's it going? Good, how are you doing girl? Good, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it is a pleasure to have you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what life looks like for you these days. Yeah. So like you said, my name is Kat Harris. I am a Texas girl who somehow found her way to LA after college and then Brooklyn, New York for the last five years. I run the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and our vision is to empower women to embrace their beauty, identity, and value through storytelling. We believe that done is better than perfect. Mm. The journey is the destination. And we're all about diving to the deep end of talking about the hard, messy parts of life, but also like leaving room for a little, you know, Beyonce dance parties and <laughs> yes, sales and wine on the weekend. I recently started a podcast called The Refined Collective, and that has been... I mean, you know, you were in a podcast, like, I don't know what I was thinking, like, yeah, I'll just start a podcast. It's it not is that easy. It's work, um, but it is quickly becoming one of the things I am most excited about. Um, it's really an extension of the brands uh, of the refined woman. And we're talking about everything from race and diversity to me too, to sex relationships, really, you know, the light topics, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then just outside of work stuff. Um, well, it's probably important to say also that my main gig for the last 10 years is I have been an editorial and wedding photographer. It is what initially brought me to New York mm. um, to shoot editorials and lifestyle for different magazines and publications. And you never know what God's going to have you do because I started this little refined woman thing five years ago and it's just turned into a bigger passion than I could have ever anticipated. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of what else on top of that. I, I feel like I'm like all of a sudden trying to explain like my Bumble dating profile, like (laughs) on the beach. I I like hiking. I love yoga. I love Beyonce. Although like that's a deterrent. Like when I say I love Beyonce on online dating profiles, like, like, why isn't anyone asking me out? But I feel like if a guy judges me for liking Beyonce, that he is no guy oh. for me. Oh, that's a, that's a total deal breaker. <laughs> total deal breaker. She's the queen. But um, I was, people who know me, like if you've known me for like five minutes, like, you know, I love Jesus. I love people. I have a passion for women, but I also love Beyonce and Justin Bieber are like my two people. Oh, wow. We can be friends. So last Friday I was at a gala and I saw this super cute guy. And by the way, I'm single. So I'm not like a married woman, like scamming on single guys. Um, (laughs) And I was on the dance floor and Justin Bieber came on. So I am like living my best life. (laughs) 
dancing to Justin Bieber. And this guy comes on the dance floor and jumps right in front of me. And he was like, Justin Bieber is my favorite. I love this song. And I was like, I'm Catherine. I think we need to get married right now. (laughs) (laughs) Why I haven't heard from him. You haven't heard from him? That is weird. (laughs) <laughs> i was like that's for sure the one he's the one he's the one oh um, uh, it was so, like old school justin right it actually wasn't so i oh. it was despacito which i'm like you know what if okay. that's everyone needs an entry point to justin if he would have come up to me and was like one time is my favorite song <laughs> i would have been like that's it we're going to the courthouse yeah, let's right, right now. now let's go <laughs> do you like jesus do you love jesus oh, okay let's go yeah, yeah. it doesn't Wait, really yeah it's fine jesus justin bieber okay let's go <laughs> <laughs> i don't really need to know anything else we're good <laughs> i agree i i agree those are like those are my two also i mean you got your non-negotiables right yeah that's right <laughs> it's really yeah jesus likes justin bieber and beyonce Maybe like guacamole somewhere in there, like chips and guac. Yes, all Mexican. But New York doesn't have the best. Let me you tell know? you, it is. Here's some very offensive things about New York. Like, I love New York. God has me here. Blah, blah, blah. I love it. But they do not have ranch dressing here anywhere, which I think is the most offensive thing in the world. Wow. Like. I have my mom literally ships me ranch dressing from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Addict. And like their guacamole and salsa. If you go to, first of all, they don't have Tex-Mex, but if you go to a Mexican restaurant, they'll give you like a baby ramekin of salsa. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's just offensive. And it's like $10. They're like, here. Right. a bite of guacamole with a bite of salsa. And five and, chips. Right. I'm like, I'm going to need bottomless and endless of both. <laughs> that was a really good tangent that we just went on. <laughs> You're going to have to rein me in today. Okay. So. I'll try. I'm ADD, so I don't know if this is a good pairing. <laughs> uh, okay. So I'm so excited to talk to you a little bit about beauty and just kind of how culture has shaped that and and what the Lord says about who we're created to be. So will you kind of tell us a little bit of your story behind, you know, maybe when you first experienced some issues with insecurity or not feeling beautiful, um, just kind of give us some of your story in that area. Yeah, for sure. Well, in high school, I felt like I was Lindsay Lohan's character on Mean Girls when they're in Regina George's bedroom and all the girls were like, my elbow, my elbow's fat. I need to lose three pounds. And Lindsay Lohan's like, I have really bad breath in the morning. (laughs) What? Like, what is this? I just, it's not something I ever struggled with in high school. I was an athlete. I was outside all the time. I was really fit, but I just, I ate whatever I wanted. I mean, I would go to Wendy's and get 15 chicken nuggets and a large frosty and be starving like (laughs) an hour later. I'm not saying that's healthy, but that's just, I just, it didn't even cross my mind. And then I went to college. I was on a full ride scholarship to play tennis at a D1 school. And I I quickly went from not thinking about my body weight image comparison at all to it being on the forefront of my mind all the time. 
And I think that was for a few reasons. One is every single girl that was on my tennis team had some sort of eating disorder. And my college coach made us keep a food journal, which I think was super Mm. unhelpful. Every day we're writing down every single thing we ate and like food in their eyes was viewed as this is good food. This is bad food. And as opposed to like, fuel for my body, it became like, Oh, like my coach told me that I shouldn't eat cookies. So now I'm going to go eat 10 cookies. Mm -hmm. And I, as an athlete also had this pressure to be physically fit and have a certain body type for my sport. But then culturally I, I wanted to not like bulk up and I wanted to like fit the culture's standards of what beauty was. And that was slim, skinny. Um, we're in a different place now where strong, like strong is the new skinny, I feel like is a huge message and body positivity is huge in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. Um, for me in college, it was very much like it, it couldn't be both. And it was either or. So my freshman year, I didn't gain the freshman 15. I gained the freshman 30 and mm-hmm. I, lost all confidence in my body. I start like, I hated my body. I felt like there were ants all over my skin. Like, mm. like I just, I just wanted to get out of myself. And, um, when I was insecure, all I could see around, first of all, all I could see was who I wasn't. And all I could see was who everybody else was. And, um, in that space is where I started throwing up my food and developing an eating disorder that morphed and transitioned for the rest of my college career. Thankfully, I didn't throw up long because I'm really bad at it. It like anyone who's like, oh yeah, throw up my food. Like it is painful. It is. I mean, your eyes are bloodshot. Like my throat would get scratchy. It was. It was such an awful experience. So I I dropped that pretty quickly and went from being in total bondage to my relationship with food. And a lot of people think they don't have an eating disorder because they're not starving themselves or they're not binging and purging. Mm -hmm. But I, when I view myself with a distorted lens and when I have a distorted view of my relationship with food, that is a dysfunction that is abnormal. And that is a disorder. Mm. So whether that looked like for me, okay, I'm going to eat 500 calories at breakfast, and then I'm going to go to the gym and get on the Stairmaster until I burn out 500 calories. Mm. That's a problem. Um, to even when none of that was going on, feeling guilty for anything I put in my mouth. Um, it, it definitely transitioned, um, it transitioned over the years and it wasn't until I graduated college and I had moved to California and I lived in a very intentional community of women in a, in a house in Southern California. And there were sort of ground rules in our house. And one of those ground rules was no body shaming. So we took off the table, this conversation that can happen with so many women of, I feel fat today or, oh my gosh, I was so bad yesterday. I had cake after dinner or like we, we took off the table, like shaming, comparing mm-hmm. and, um, demonizing food. Um, 
And that was so healing. And on top of that, like really learning to like take my thoughts captive, went to counseling over the span of several years, God really, really healed me. And so that's, I can, I can speak more into that, but that's, that's sort of the groundwork of where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's so much more common than people think too. So I'm glad you shared that because I think that's a lot of people, even if they're not open about it or even maybe realize it. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So maybe can you come up with maybe what are some lies do you think that culture is telling us about what we should look like and what we should wear? That's a great question. Um, And it feels a little confusing to me right now because we are in this cultural moment of body positivity. So we have, but within this body positivity movement, we still are a society of, ex- of extremism. So it's like we're, we're either praising the double zero runway girls or the size 16 plus size models. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's what our culture right now is saying is okay. Like strong is the new skinny or strong. Yeah. Strong is the new skinny. Like love the skin you're in, love your body. But like, but if you're not this or this, you're either too much or too little or not enough or too this or too that. Mm-hmm. It seems as though we've taken a step in the right direction as far as being more inclusive about what beauty can mean and what it can look like. But it's still an extreme version that is like an all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'll say something that might be a little controversial, but I, I believe a huge problem is that there is a lack of body diversity in the cultural narrative right now. So um, I know that there are certain people that God just created them with small frames. And I think they all come from Brazil. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is in that water? Um, but there are certain people that are like just have smaller frames and they're just they're just going to fall into that like model runway look. And then there are certain people that like the way God has created them are bigger boned. They're, they're going to be in that plus size category. But the question that I have that I don't really know is being handled well right now is, but what does healthy look like? And what, like, what does honoring my body look like? Because scripture says that my body is a temple mm-hmm. and my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And one, how I sort of look into that is the physical is a manifestation of the spiritual. So it's easy to like picture that when like, for example, when think of the last time you were angry, like when I'm angry, things I do are I cross my hands at my chest I furrow my brows, my jaw is tight, my shoulders are up in my ear. Like you can see an angry person from a mile away. <laughs> you can feel it, right? Like mm-hmm. because it's all over their body. Mm-hmm. The physical is manifesting what's going on in the inside. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there's not space for the double zeros or the size 18s, but how it, how are our physical bodies manifesting what is going on underneath mm-hmm. the, 
the truths and or the lies that we're believing about ourselves. And how do I, in 2018, Catherine Harris, how do I honor God with my body, Mm. with food I put on in it, with the clothes I do or do not wear? Um, I think those are the questions that I am interested in as far as what are you tracking with me or yes. do you have okay as far as the clothes that we wear, I would say there's two two angles that I want to hit on that mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, I almost kicked over my lacroix oh, not the lacroix I not the lacroix <laughs> um you know, we live in a postmodern culture that there's a phrase called expressive individualism. And it, what that means is, and we've all heard it, we say, you know, I'm living my truth. This is, this is what feels true to me. So Mm. culture is saying whatever youth, whatever you feel, whatever your gut is telling you, that's what's true. So you, your freedom comes from within. You get to determine for yourself and only yourself what feels good to you. So it, when that is the case, when there is no moral absolute, there, like the narrative that culture says is that that is where true freedom lies. Mm. So in that sense, if I am free, then why not just wear a thong bikini walking down the street if it's how I feel, right. if it's prerogative, if I'm leaving my truth and if I am succumbing to the cultural narrative of expressive individualism and post-modernity, then I can do whatever I feel like whenever I feel like it and I can wear whatever I want whenever I want. Mm. Now, the problem with that is I am not sure that that is giving us freedom because I, there's a really great book on this by Wendy Shallot called a return to modesty Okay, where, where she unpacks, um, the, the, how the sexual revolution has really failed us as women where we have, where we have sought sexual freedom, not, not just in our sexual choices, but even the clothes we wear, it's actually creating more bondage for us. So Mm. culture says, wear whatever you want, wear what feels good. It's an extension of the cultural narrative. Mm. Now the, the problem with that is that it lacks vision. So the problem with that is that it says all it's, all it's causing me to look at is what I feel right now. Mm. My feelings change a thousand times every day. Yeah. And because I am a Christian, my my worldview is rooted in this this idea that truth is in the person of Jesus and that truth is not based off of feeling. There are feelings involved, but it's greater than my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that I would say is like the cultural snapshot that I I see. Um, and then there's this other side, um, and I, I'm going to, it's the church. Mm. church. You know, I grew up in Southern evangelical church culture. Uh, I was a camp counselor in college, and the, the catchphrase was modest is hottest. <laughs> I worked at a, a camp where the guys could run around all summer long with short shorts and no t-shirts on um, because they're guys mm-hmm. and the girls would have to wear shorts almost down to their knees and big baggy t-shirts because 
all of the weight and responsibility for the lust conversation was put on women and put mm. on. And I think the church, um, the church has really shamed sexuality because they don't really know it's hard to talk about mm-hmm. and it's hard to navigate and it's messy. So I think whereas culture is saying, do whatever you feel like the church is saying, like, hide yourself, hide mm-hmm. your body, hide your sexuality. It's shameful. Save it all for the bedroom. Once you're married which our sexuality isn't a light switch that just flips on and off once we have a diamond ring on our finger. Um, and so it's confusing. We have yeah. this confusing um, paradigm where the church has placed a lot of shame on women and um, I think told us to hide a lot, um, hide our bodies, hide hide what God has given us. And culture has said, like, do whatever you want. And again, it's a, it's a culture of extremism, mm-hmm. like body diversity conversation. Here we are. It's like, we either have this option or this option. And so I, I always push back. It's just kind of the way I am. I'm like, what if there was another way? Right. If I could be connected with my femininity, connected to my sexuality, because Genesis one said God created man and woman in his image and in his likeness and called it good. Matt Chandler in his book, Mingling of the Souls talks about this, but it means that all of me is good. Mm-hmm. It means my my body, my mind, my intellect, but also the parts of my body, like my breasts that make me a woman, like those are good and that's not shameful. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like to hold that that tension of being connected to myself, my sexuality, my femininity, being a part of a modern culture, um, being a Proverbs 31 woman who honors her husband all the days of her life. And yeah, I want to look cute. I want to be fashionable, but I also want to hold myself high. So I think there's like, it can feel a little bit gray because we have like these two right. um, really extreme dialogues going on. Yeah, it's just so confusing, right? It's like, okay, which way am I going to go? Because I don't really want to be the girl that has to wear a skirt down to her feet and, um, you know, a baggy shirt. But I also, you know, don't think that you should just get to choose exactly how you want to present yourself all the time. Because like you said, all of that changes every day, your emotions, your feelings, how you think, you feel one day who you think you are. Another is just so fleeting. We cannot, we cannot cling to that. And so it's like, where do we find that balance? You know, I think an important question, I think there's two important things. One is context. So right now I'm dressed to go to my yoga class after we get off of our call. So I am wearing my skin tight leggings and a sports bra and a tank top. Now that's, that's appropriate for my yoga class mm-hmm. and going to and from my yoga class or soul cycle or wherever I wear a lot. Oftentimes like crop tops to the, um, to my classes and there's a context to where like that's appropriate for that context. Now, is it, is it appropriate for me then to go to church in my booty short or like my spandex booty short? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's out of context, you know, or, is it appropriate to wear a cute bathing suit at the pool and at the beach? Yes. 
is it appropriate to be at a concert in that same thing? I would say probably not. So I think um, <laughs> practically speaking, um, just like, cause I think some of this, I want to give people something to hang their hats on. Like, let's think about context, like mm-hmm. context of what you're wearing, when you're wearing it and why you're wearing it. Mm-hmm. One of my pastors here in New York, John Tyson has this, these amazing questions that he's been challenging us with. He says, when it comes to, we're talking about a lot about spiritual and sexual formation at my church right now, but Mm -hmm. this transcends to what we're talking about as well. Who am I becoming? Mm -hmm. So it's not like, can I wear this or can't I wear this? Or what are the lies that the society is telling me versus what the church is telling me? Who am I becoming? And what are, what are my daily rhythms, practices, and exercises that I am a part of, what are they pushing me towards? What story am I inviting other people into? Mm. Scripture says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So that's a that's a pretty countercultural definition of what freedom is. Mm. Scripture is saying freedom means I can do whatever I want, whenever I want with my body. The biblical perspective of freedom is as one that has a redemptive vision. So what what is freedom for me is, yeah, I can wear that and I want to wear it. And a lot of times or maybe sometimes I will. (laughs) (laughs) But what does it look like to choose the greater good of my community and the people around me? If I'm going to be wearing something that is so distracting to the guys around me, Is that me inviting them into a deeper story? Is that me? Am I just wearing that because I'm wanting attention? Mm -hmm. Who am I becoming? And what am I inviting other people into? Yeah, I like that. That's a good kind of like rule of thumb. It's always like, what's your motive behind why you're going to wear that, right? Are you going to wear it to get attention? Are you going to wear it to make yourself feel better. I mean, I think, I mean, I think you can put on something pretty and dress up and like, so that you feel good. And that's perfectly fine. But um, that's a good motive. But to like wear something promiscuous, just so you can feel more confident, maybe is not the best choice, right? Maybe this is just my own rebellious heart. But sometimes I'm like, I just want to, I don't, I don't care about anyone else. I just want to wear what I want to wear. I want what I want when I want. And that ends on me. Right. And Mm -hmm. that, that lacks vision that Mm -hmm. all I'm, all I'm thinking about is myself and the moment at hand. Like maybe I'm not seeking the approval of anyone else, which I do all the time. Maybe I'm not trying to compare myself with another girl. Maybe I'm just like, I want to wear whatever I want and no one tell me what to do. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like a, a spoiled little girl. And I think, um, what I want to invite women and men into, um, but specifically in this conversation is what's your vision? Mm. What, what is the greater vision for your life, for yourself, for your family, for your community, for your church, for the world? What's the legacy you want to leave behind? And so we have a deeper sense of purpose and we're connected with our why, that that then acts as a framework to help us make those like everyday practical decisions. So mm-hmm. for example, it's like when I, if let's say not when, cause I don't think I'll ever run a marathon. 
if I chose to run a marathon. Um, so I'm, I've chosen to run this marathon. I've signed up. I'm starting my training program. Now, I'm a free person. I can do whatever in the world I want to do. But because I have this commitment to a, a goal and to a greater good, then that looks like, all right, I'm maybe not going to have that hamburger. Maybe I'm going to not have alcohol. Maybe I'm going to go to sleep early on a Friday night and not go to that party because I have an early morning run. So I'm saying no to the instant gratification or no to the now mm-hmm. because I'm saying yes to a greater good. And that's what, what I, when I think about, um, when I think about modesty, fashion, the conversation of, even what we're having with eating disorder and image is when it's, when it ends now, then that's where we get stuck. We have to be a part of a greater message and a greater story, which ultimately is the gospel of Christ is to be a part of a story greater than ourselves, point people to the cross, to truth, to hope, to light. Mm, I love that. Okay. So let's kind of take a shift into you know, a lot of my friends are like, okay, there've been a lot of instances in my life when other girls have said things about my body that hurt. Boys have made me feel a certain way about my body. And so how do we kind of shift our mindset and heal from the hurt that other people have put on us about our bodies? Mm, That's a great question. I think the first thing, the first step to any healing is acknowledgement. Oftentimes, Oftentimes I haven't let myself heal from something because I haven't been willing to admit the pain Mm -hmm. or the disappointment or the hurt or the frustration because I shouldn't feel that way because I'm a child of God and it shouldn't bother me like that. So I just reject that in the name of Jesus and I'm not even going to like receive that. (laughs) But then we like stay in this perpetual like state of hurt, but we're not really admitting it because we shouldn't feel that way. Mm. So I think the first thing we got to do is stop with the should and shouldn'ts and the would and wouldn'ts and the could and could ofs because they're not helpful. They, they put a wall in front of our heart because it doesn't, it doesn't help my heart. If my heart's like, yeah, but I'm hurt. Like the first thing, the first thing to moving past the hurt and the pain is to let myself feel it. Mm. Um, C.S. Lewis has an incredible book called A Grief Observed, and it's all about him moving through the process of pain after his wife passes away. Mm. But he says something so profound. He says, there's nothing we can do with grief but grief. Like, you have to let yourself feel it. So the first thing I would say is let yourself feel it. Acknowledge it. Bring it, like, first bring it to the Lord. God, I mean, some, I am just like loose cannon with the Lord. I'm like, this is how I feel. Like, I am so upset that this person said that, or my mom said that, or I was rejected by this guy. First, you got to get it all out. And from there, I th- there you see, okay, once I have it all out, now I get to invite Jesus and community into that space to help me, to help remind me what's true. Hmm. Because lies are sometimes very subtle. And I think that the enemy attacks things about us that are most true because he doesn't want us to flourish. He doesn't want us to have freedom. Mm -hmm. And 
I think the older I get, this is why the concept of faith is such a monumental, crazy concept to me, because it's hard to believe something that I don't see. Mm. So I have just in context with this conversation, you have guys telling you who you aren't or who you are, friends, family members, culture, media, and it is right in front of your eyeballs. It's all you can see. So it must be real. Mm. And there's an aspect to where it is real. It's not like that guy didn't say that to you or that friend didn't say that to you who I would question. Is she really even your friend? The mystery and scandal of the gospel is faith in Jesus Christ, choosing to believe that which I don't see. So I think it takes a lot of courage to first admit, here's how I feel, or here's what was said, here's what wasn't said, and here's how it has impacted me. Now, Lord and community, can you help, can you help remind me of what's true? And I think that that takes hard work and discipline to do, because that means you got to go to God's word and we, you got to find out who he says you are. Mm -hmm. So then when the lies come, like, and this is where it's like, this is where you get to take every thought captive. Right. And that it's like all these like elementary things that I feel like they told me in youth group as like a 30 something. I'm like, but it's really true. (laughs) Like, I really do have to take every thought captive. And that sounds like a cliche, But to be in a moment where I am feeling insecure because let's say nothing fits me, like I'm bringing out my summer clothes after a long winter and everything is a little bit tighter and I'm starting to feel insecure. Oh my gosh, like I gained weight or maybe I just feel bloated, whatever the conversation is. Then I get to pause and say, okay, Lord, here, remind me what's true. Here's what's true is I'm a Mago Day. Genesis one made in the image of God. So I have infinite value and worth from the inside out. Scripture says that, that God says I am altogether lovely. He says that he knows me so well that he knows the hairs on my head. He knows the thoughts before they are even on my tongue. And like the picture I get of that is like when you're with one of your best friends and you just are completing each other's sentences, like (laughs) the Lord is so crazy about me. He is so enthralled. There's there's scripture that says the king is enthralled with her beauty. Um, That is who I am. So I am enough. I am worthy. I am seen. I am known. I am accepted. I am beautiful. Like that is who I am. Mm -hmm. And that shifting, like the, the part that takes work is shifting the narrative and shifting the conversation from a space of, of accepting and believing and receiving lies, acknowledging them, rejecting them, inviting Jesus and community into them, and then replacing them with what's true. Mm-hmm. And that's not like an overnight magic fix. Right. Um, and it's like, I have a group of girls that I'll text and I'm like, I'm struggling. Like, can you please remind me of what's true? Because we weren't created to also find our own healing on our own. Like it doesn't just have to be like me and God in my quiet time. It's like me texting my friend or calling my friends. Like I'm having a crappy day and this is how I feel. I mean, I had a really hard week of work and my sweet best friend, I called her a million times this week and I was like, here's how I feel. This is what my reality feels like. I know faith is choosing to believe what I don't see, but I feel like all I, 
All I can see is the crap. I need you to remind me of what's true. And that's when God can enter into those spaces just via your friends, right? Like all the time I'm like, okay, I obviously the Lord is capable of meeting me in a quiet space and in giving me a moment of healing or giving me a tr- giving me some truth to back up uh, what I'm believing. But you know, he can also use your friends too of like, he can give them a word to give to you. And so I think sometimes we're like, no, we only need to just be bringing it to the Lord only. Um, but we need community. Yeah. It's such a load of crap. It really is. Like we need others. And there's, um, two, um, quotes that I really love. One is by this girl, Morgan Harper Nichols. She is an amazing storyteller. She says, tell the mountain, tell the story of the mountain you climbed. Your words could become a page in someone else's survival guide. Mm. And then there's Kim McManus. And she says, your heartache is someone else's hope. Tell your story. The thing is, is that when we all want to be known, like we all want the same thing. Mm -hmm. Christians are not like, whatever you believe about the world in God, like all, all of humanity longs for the same things. We want to be loved, known, accepted, seen, heard. We want intimacy with others. And, but we're all terrified to be the first one to like remove the super woman or Superman cape of having it all together. Mm-hmm. And I come to you and say, girl, I am struggling I feel like I can't get my act together. I, this, this struggle that has been haunting me for 10 years is back again. And I just feel like a total failure. Like when I do that, first of all, when I bring the darkness to light, there's mm. free just in doing that. But yes. then I take off that shiny mask of perfection. That is such an illusion. And then it's like everyone else in the room is like, oh, Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that. Like I've been struggling too. Like that mm-hmm. moment of like real authenticity and real friendship and relationship comes not in the moment when we're like, Oh my gosh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. I'm good. You're good. Let's just talk about this and talk about spiritual things, but not really talk about anything real about our hearts. Mm-hmm we get those things that we really long for. And it is the first step into freedom when we, when we admit the vulnerability, because really like, and this is scriptural in our, in our weakness, he is strong, but in our weakness is in, in our weak, like in our weakness is when we find compassion, relationship, vulnerability, Mm -hmm. you know, to light is a huge thing, especially with beauty. I feel like that's a really easy one for women to just kind of, brush to the side and have these like little lies that we're constantly thinking about just like different things about our bodies or different things about you know how we think just so many things that we kind of internalize and the more we continue to internalize it the more it becomes something that we believe even if it's just a thought and so the act of being like hey guys this is what this is the thought that came to my head today and I just need to be reminded of why that's not true, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's so important to bring those to the surface. Otherwise the enemy keeps using that as something to attack us and make us believe um, that we are 
not worthy of God's love or that we were not made in his image, just anything that um, is not truth. So I like that a lot. And I think, you know, in general, we need to be people that are more vulnerable and um, more open and honest in confessing the areas of, of our hearts that we're believing lies. Exactly. And sometimes we don't even know their lies until mm. we bring them out. And yeah, I mean, it's, it just takes that for someone. It's like someone has to be willing to go there first. And if you want to see vulnerability in your community, if you want to see freedom in your community, you get to go there first. Mm. Like, I think we can put that on other people to like, well, they're the leader or, you know, this is their ministry. This is their, this is their thing. But like vulnerability begets vulnerability and freedom begets freedom and fakeness begets more fakeness and bondage creates more bondage. Um, so yeah, it's like, I, uh, it reminds me of that scene in old school where Will Ferrell's like, let's go streaking. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm streaking. And like, no one's following him. It's like kind of the opposite of that. But it feels like if I'm going to let someone in on my struggle right now, whether that is eating disorder, um, sexual sin, masturbation, porn, um, whatever it is like, it's like we have, we have walked into a room and taken off all of our clothes and we're just like, it's the most terrifying thing. Cause we already judge ourselves for it. We mm-hmm. already feel ashamed. And I think the lie the enemy tells us is that if we bring this to light, it'll bring more shame and rejection and failure. Whereas any time I have ever shared my failures, my blunders, my, my, my fears, the lies I'm believing, I am met with and held with open arms. Okay, Kat, so I have a couple of questions that I ask every guest that comes on the podcast. One is, what is one thing that you wish you knew as a 20-something? I wish I knew how loved I was. I am so grateful that the Lord did not give me what I wanted when I wanted it. I was chasing love from every angle, from the guys I was dating who were total losers and treated me terribly to trying to fit the cultural mold of beauty and perfection. What I was really wanting to know underneath is, am I loved? Am I worthy? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. Um, And I, yeah, that's what I would want to tell my younger self is, girl, if you only knew how loved you are, like receive it, receive it, receive it. You don't have to earn it. Mm. You can see everything you already long for and desire you have. And not because I earned it, but because Jesus gave it to me. Mm -hmm. So you've given us a couple of resources, but is there anything else that you can think of around the topic of beauty and security that you could share with us? Yeah. Um, and this is like, not me just trying to have a shameless plug, but it's something that I've worked on really hard. I made a, um, a free downloadable PDF called moving Mm -hmm. through fear. Um, it's, um, a resource guide and journaling prompts, um, that I designed to help you identify the fears and lies that you are holding in your body and believing is true 
bringing them to light mm-hmm. and replacing them with truth. Um, so it's from moving from fear to wholeness. Um, I can send you the links. You can send your, your tribe. Yes. Um, that I think a huge part is learning how to take those thoughts captive. And, um, so that's a resource that I created. Um, another one is, I mean, I love Brene Brown so much and I'm sure a lot of you guys have already seen this, but, um, her power of vulnerability Mm. is amazing. And she also has a book that is escaping me right now. Um, but that, and I would say the third one is my friend, Daniel Bennett is a spoken word poet and she has this poem called she and she made a video on it it's daniel bennett she like s-h-e on youtube and it is i would say an artistic version of proverbs 31 and i have listened to that i mean i i want to say hundreds of times over the years um she says stuff like she has seen a succulent survive enough times to know she is stronger than she thinks. Mm. She, it's just like truth washing over me. So I would say my moving through fear PDF, Brene Brown, power of vulnerability and Daniel Bennett's spoken word. She love those. I'm excited to look at those. Yeah. Uh, And then lastly, what is refreshing you these days? What is refreshing me? Um, LaCroix. Yeah, (laughs) like I, I don't know what happened. I think like I must have been getting subliminal messages because I was like, LaCroix is so dumb. Why are people having sparkling water all the time? (laughs) All of a sudden, I don't like in the last month, like, I mean, I'm like holding a can of LaCroix right now. It's like all I'm drinking. (laughs) I drank the LaCroix Kool-Aid. But what else is refreshing me? It's, It's super important to me to move my body. So I work out not to lose weight or to look a certain way, but because it is like my reset, it is my time with Jesus. And I just like, when I've had a hard day or when I've had a great day to like get a good sweat is like super important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, Oh, um, I'm reading this amazing book right now called divine sex by Jonathan Grant. And it is like, it's refreshing in this sense that as I'm reading it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is like where our culture is in relationships and dating and sex. And I'm not a crazy person. Like (laughs) it's the cultural context of like how we got to where we are in Western culture in regards Mm. to dating relationships and sex and then lays out um, what what does it look like to be a disciple of Christ and um, have a, a vision, like a biblical vision for sexuality. So it's like one of those books where I am like literally highlighting every single page. Um, and it's just made me feel like I've just, I find myself like nodding the whole time. Like, yes, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that is exactly what I experienced in the church. That's exactly what I experienced being a single in New York city in 2018. And it really like gives the why behind that. Yeah. I'm excited for that one. That one sounds good. It's so good. 
Well, thank you so much, Kat. I really appreciate you coming on and man, that's some good stuff. Thanks for having me. Yes, it was so fun. I loved chatting with Kat today. There were a lot of resources that she gave and I have them all in the show notes below so you can go check them out. Make sure you go follow Kat and the Refined Woman and check out her podcast. If you loved this episode, please make sure you leave a rating and review. We would love to hear your feedback. Stay fresh, my people.